Assalamu alaikum and good day everyone. Welcome to the MSA podcast. My name is Salha and I'll be your host for this evening. Tonight we're recording our very first episode. So to start with, I'd like to extend a warm welcome to all the people tuning in to listen to us today. We really hope you enjoy this podcast and we just wanted to have a little bit of something for everyone, inshallah. So here we are and here it is, a podcast from students to students. Now that we're through with that, here's what else makes this episode really special. I mean, besides the fact that it's the very first episode, here's what makes it really special. So to start with, this episode is going to be a two-part series, inshallah. And it's a series that's really just centered around the way Al-Faisal students as a student body can come together and make a difference and really change someone's life. So in the second part of this episode, we're going to be meeting with Nurhan, inshallah, the brilliant fourth-year student, also known as the sister of two-year-old Rena, who put on a brave face and rose against all odds in order to support her sister. But that's for the second part. As for the first part of this episode, it's going to feature something that not many people may remember or many people may know of, and that is the story of Nobi Alam. So Nobi is a fifth-year medical student from Al-Faisal, obviously, and he has an incredible story to share with us today, as well as many lessons for us to learn. And here he is right here with us. So Assalamu alaikum, Nobi, and thank you so much for joining us today. Um, Welcome, Salam, Saleha. How's everything? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good, alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Okay, so um, first of all, we're very grateful to have you here today with us, um, and thank you so much for you know, letting us share your story with all these people and all these listeners. And we really hope that it'll, mm-hmm. you know, bring a difference to people's lives, inshallah. So to begin with, before we get into the details of everything, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, uh, again, my name is Nobi Alam. I'm currently a fifth year medical student. And um, my uh, I've always been involved with the university quite a lot. I, I remember when I started uh, in uh, UPP, I joined as a UPP student. I I, uh, I remember joining the Islamic Club and I took over the vice presidency of the Islamic Club and I remember running it for almost four years now. Wow. Okay. And uh, right now I'm not affiliated with it, but I remember UPP first year, second year, third year. So up until that, I always had uh, I was always involved with the university as much as I could and I helped out as much as I can. So you you became vice president of the Islamic Club as a UPP student, like fresh out of high school, and that was the first thing you did. Yeah, that's the thing, because when I uh, when I came to UP, I remember I was sitting in the mosque and uh, I was checking the website for uh, uh, the, for an Islamic club or an Islamic body presence in the university. And that's when I saw that the website had listed an Islamic club while uh, it was not active at all. Like I, I was six months into the university already, like one semester in, and I saw all the clubs being active when I saw that the Islamic club wasn't being active. So I was like, what's up? So I, have, I approached the student affairs and they're like, you know, it has been dead for almost two years now. No one's taking the position and everything. So I was like, fine, I'll take it. So that's when I took uh, the, they asked me, they offered me the presidency right away. I'm like, no, I am not ready yet. <laughs> so I'll just take the vice presidency. So after that, I, I tried to revive the club as much as I can. And uh, I never actually took the presidency because I, I thought I wasn't capable enough. So each year, someone new replaced the president presidency position. Regardless, I must admit, the Islamic Club is probably one of the best clubs that we have here at this university. And the things that they do, mashallah, and the events that they hold are incredible. So um, clearly, you're someone who's definitely very motivated, has always been very motiv- motivated, so mashallah. Um, all right. So now going coming to this coming to this story of um, the actual incident that we're here to talk mm-hmm. about. So... Can you describe the morning of the day everything happened? What was that like for you? 
All right. So it was a usual day for me. It was uh, 4th of April. Um, I was, uh, as usual, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a creature of habit. So I always do everything on a schedule. So everything I do is, is fixed. You know, I've been doing the same thing over and over again. So uh, I, um, I had a class at uh, 9, 9 a.m. in the morning. Oh, uh, what year were you in at this point? I was in year three. Year three. This year is... three, second semester. Yeah. Oh, okay. So this is 4th of April, 2019, and you're in year three, second semester. Yeah, so the... You were probably doing like GI, I think. Uh, I think I was doing uh, Endoripro. Endoripro. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. So it was a normal day, nine o'clock. I, 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 I live 15 minutes away from the university. So as usual, I had my breakfast. I woke up at 7.30, had my breakfast and uh, got out at eight o'clock because I always like to be in class half an hour before the class mm -hmm. actually starts. Right, so right. talk with people and everything. So I left at eight, maybe 8.10. And so I was in no hurry. I was in no rush to get to the university because I have way over time. It takes me 10 minutes to 15 minutes to come to the university. Right. So I was on my way and everything. And uh, so far, it's a regular morning. Everything's Yeah, a regular time. morning and everything. I, I take the King South Road. So in front of the Intercontinental, the Intercontinental is on my right, right yes, side. Right, yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So I was just uh, coming. And uh, one thing I always do is that I, well, I never go above 120. So because as soon as you hit 120, everyone knows that you hit a tick tick sound. Right. And so whenever I, whenever I used to hear that sound, I always used to decrease my speed as a reminder that, you know, keep going. That's why it's mm -hmm. there, you know. So I, I remember I did not hear that sound or anything. So I was well below 120. What's the speed limit on King Sound Road? Uh, it's, a, it's a fairly big road, but uh, it's within the city. So I would say 80 was the speed limit. Okay. Yeah, right, within 80. the city. Yeah. Nice. So um, I was going my uh, way and I was I was I just got on the King Sound Road. And it's a big lane. It's a four-lane road. Uh, so uh, Intercontinental was three lanes away from me. So I was on the speed lane. I was on You're the fast in the fast lane. lane. Yeah, I'm in the fast okay. lane. Okay. And I see a car come out from uh, the first gate of Intercontinental. Mm -hmm. It was uh, it was way far away because it's three lanes away from right. Me. Massive road, yeah. big road, many and lanes. So mm -hmm. I was I was I did not uh, think of slowing down or uh, maybe uh, watch out for him. Plus, you're in the fast lane, so it's yeah, not like exactly. Cars in so the I'm fast not expecting him down. to come exactly. directly into the fast lane. Yeah. So I was going, and without any indicators, the car had no indicators or anything. It went straight into the fast lane, Ooh. and it was in a way so that the car was almost perpendicular to the road. Oh so it was goodness. blocking okay. one, two lanes. So mm -hmm. it was straight like this. Perhaps maybe the car wanted to take a U-turn, which was right before the signal. Oh, okay. But All at right. least the car would come like this, you know, like in a, in a parallel fashion. Mm -hmm. But it came perpendicularly straight to the mm -hmm. road. So it was blocking two lanes. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I realized that there's no way I can brake and not hit the guy. So I was like, right. at least I, I won't hit the guy. So I will just swerve right by him. So I took, I had to cross two lanes so that in order not to hit him. Mm -hmm. But as soon as I crossed two lanes, it was it was on a bit of a speed, I guess. And that's when I started losing control. Oh. So I lost control. I swerved two, three times. And uh, I was like, okay, there's no way I can stop the car. So maybe at least like if I hit the tree uh, between the two, two roads. So I was like, all right, let me just hit this tree so that at least the car stops. So now you start moving to the left? To the left, to the Towards opposite the side of the, of the road. Yeah, Middle of the road. Okay. Yeah, because on the right side, it was a complete wall, the wall oh, of the hotel and everything. Right, so I was okay. like, if I hit this, it's going to be even tougher for me. Right. It might cause more damage. So I was yeah. like, let me at least hit the tree on the right side of the car. That way it doesn't affect me. And at least the car would stop and not risk yeah, exactly, everyone else. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So that's what I tried to do, but I missed the tree and I happened to go over the pavement. I remember I was in the air for a while and, oh my God. and that's most of the things I remember. And that's when I lost my consciousness or something. Mm -hmm. But apparently what happened next was uh, oncoming traffic opened and a car came and hit me. Right. As you landed on the other side, as into incoming on, traffic. Yes. Oh. So I briefly, I, I don't remember this part because I, I think I lost my, you know, my consciousness right before mm -hmm. it happened or something. And I was wearing my seatbelt and everything, yet I lost my consciousness. Mm -hmm. 
So, and the car that happened to hit me was a, uh, it was a fairly expensive car. It was a Lexus uh, SUV. Oh my. I'm so, sorry. yeah. So, and then what I remember is that uh, then I, I did get my consciousness back. And the first thing I remember is I saw a friend right beside me. And out of all odds. A familiar face. A familiar face out of, like, I never expected to see someone, you know, I know. What are the odds of a exactly. familiar face being on King Sat? So, like, how did this person end up there? I have no idea. Like, uh, we we live nearby, so we usually take the same road to the university. Mm -hmm. So, he just happened to be behind me. He happened to be driving behind you? Right behind me. Wow. Yeah. And I didn't know that he was happen. behind me. And he saw the accident happen and everything. Oh, it was okay. actually um, two people that saw it. It was this uh, friend of mine and another uh, friend of mine. So, two friends in two separate cars saw this happen. They were both on the road at the same time. At the and same time. Happening. Yeah. Wow. And... Um, so I remember him telling me he was holding me and he was like, no, be just breathe because I hit the uh, steering wheel so hard I couldn't breathe for a while. Mm -hmm. and, and I thought that, you know, maybe this is it, you know. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't breathe for almost like a minute. I was just gasping for breath. And uh, that's when it was like, just breathe, just somehow breathe. And that's, and alhamdulillah, I was able to breathe and it was good. Uh, but then um, the next thing I noticed was is that of course, I did not have any pain right at that moment. But the one thing I noticed is I was completely uh, incapable of moving my left uh, left arm. Uh, above the elbow so mm -hmm. my forearm wasn't moving at all and I tried uh, feeling what happened and I could I could feel the bone sticking out oh goodness I was okay. in my scrubs and lab coat yet the the bone came out of the scrubs the lab coat it it oh pierced the scrubs so and the lab coat and uh, but alhamdulillah it was my left hand I I drive with my left hand my non-dominant hand okay. because I, I like to keep my hand on the steering wheel uh, the, my right hand mm -hmm. And so I couldn't feel my arm or anything, and um, it was a, it was a horrible like at that moment it was one it of must the, have been absolutely terrible one of the most horrible things you know I've ever felt, and uh, so and then the ambulance came, but the ambulance ambulance came within let's say ten minutes, but even before that even before that within within five minutes I had at least five or six cars from Al Faisal, like the car oh, the, there was a wow. traffic behind like the accident they mm -hmm. were passing by but there were more cars parked. And all were from Al Faisal, from my batchmates who were standing and trying to get me out or telling me that it's okay. That in itself must have been such support for you yeah. in that moment. And by then, the class has already started and everything. And uh, like, no, the class did not start, but yet the fact that they had a class and yet they still came and everything, that was that was great. Mm -hmm. And I I was ex I was surprised to see that five six familiar faces standing around me. That's incredible. Yeah. Like and the coincidence as well. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's not like many people use that road as far as I know. I don't think it's... Yeah, right. because it's the, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's it never has it's any like, traffic. It never yeah. has oh, any okay. traffic. Okay. So that's why you know, it takes... I live in Olaya. So from there, just a 10-minute uh, drive. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, yeah, even before the ambulance came, I already have like six, seven of my batchmates standing uh, beside me. And then the ambulance was called and everything. Mm -hmm. Within 15 minutes, I believe the ambulance came. But the problem was they couldn't get me out of the car. The, what oh, happened was no. the impact was my right side was completely fine. The left side of the car was completely destroyed. So I hit left, uh, the left side of the car face first. Because you were essentially going to the left side of the road. And so yeah. the left side of your car is what impacted exactly. it. And then you went on to the other incoming mm -mm. side, basically. And so your left side is Left side is gone. And uh, I remember so I couldn't even um, move my legs because the engine happened to be on my legs now. Oh, the impact my. was so okay. hard. Uh, the, I could feel the engine, the, the heat of the engine on my legs. And I could oh. feel it crushing my legs down. And so I couldn't move it and anything. So the ambulance couldn't get me out as well. They called the fire uh, brigade and they came. And that's when they had to chainsaw the door or whatever. And they had to cut open the part of the car to pull me out. And then again, the engine was on my leg. So right. they had to go to the front of the car, pull the engine out. And then 
you know, take me out. And they were finally able to get you out. Yeah. So th- that took a good half an hour to 40 minutes. Right, so I'm in that bad. condition for a good amount of time. Oh, God. And uh, so they take me to the uh, hospital. Um, it was a public hospital. And uh, yeah. And after that, I even in the emergency, it's a public hospital. So you can understand that, you know, you, it's uh, it's crowded and it, mm. they don't have all the resources to attend to you. At this point, does your family know what's going on? Mm. The thing is, even I, I don't remember much during this entire time. This was all told by my friends. Like, oh, like I okay. said, the first hit I had, and I just remember a brief moments in the car when they were getting me out, and that's it. I don't even remember the ambulance ride or anything because I or believe the fire brigade or the getting uh, you out moments of it because I believe that as soon as the ambulance saw me, they gave me a sedative or something, and I don't remember anything after the. I don't remember the ambulance ride at all. I think when it comes to incidents like these, I've been in a car accident once myself mm-hmm. as well. And I think when it comes to like situations like these, the shock itself is so much that you're not able to comprehend many things except for like little insignificant details. Yeah, yeah, true, like for true. example, you mentioned the heat on the heat of the engine on your legs. Like that's mm-hmm. something you remember. Mm-hmm. In my case, it was like I could hear a child crying. I don't know who it was or who or whose child it was or where it was coming from, but I could just and that's the only memory I have of Yeah, exactly. You know, like I read it somewhere that. that you know, when you have a traumatic experience, your your brain tries to forget Try to shoves that to the Almost side. Almost like everything shuts out. Like your mm. brain is just solely focused on staying alive, and mm-hmm. that's that's exactly. all you're trying just to do. Make, just not make you remember what you're going mm. through. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, um, I come to the uh, public hospital, and that's when I started remembering things. And now I'm starting to remember things now because the pain is kicking in. Right. Because right now, if it, as it's, like you know, when I, when you're in a traumatic situation, you have the adrenaline and everything. You don't feel pain. The shock, especially. Just yeah. Sort of the shock takes over yeah. the pain. Yeah. But now that everything's over and everything, I started feeling the pain and mm-hmm. everything, especially my arm and my left side is completely like... Uh, you can't feel your left arm below the elbow at all. Below the elbow and I can feel my chest uh, tightening up. I can feel my uh, ribs tightening up mm-hmm. and my legs hurting as well. Mm-hmm. And so that's when I was, I'm just screaming in pain. It almost 30 hours, 30 minutes, 40 minutes. I still have not a single doctor coming to do any examination on me. Oh my God. This is because it's a public hospital. It yeah. must be a really busy ER. So almost 40 minutes and no, nothing, uh, no uh, attendee came to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, apparently my friends were also telling me that, you know, when I was in that situation, the one thing I kept saying is don't tell my parents, don't tell my parents. I can't put them you through this. You didn't want them to know? So yeah, they I they did not know about the accident until five hours into it, almost oh five hours God. into it. So I I begged them that uh, again, this friend of mine, he the one that saw the accident, he's mm-hmm. a very close friend of mine. Mm-hmm. So I kept begging him that don't tell my parents, don't tell my parents. I mean, he forced me that open your phone at least so that I can have the number, but I I refused to open the phone. What were you afraid of? Like you just didn't want to worry them. Just the disappointment, you know. I didn't want to worry them, and at the same time, you know. Fine, it's it's uh, it's my parents at the end of the day, but I was thinking that what can they do at this moment? I mean, these are friends of mine; these are medical, they're medical students mm, and everything. They would right. rather, they would help me more than my parents, so might as well keep them out of the way until you know it's it's in a better. Until things settle down, and you can finally tell them. And especially about my mom. My dad is strong, alhamdulillah, but my mom is is uh, she she has a uh, chronic disease and everything. I was mm-hmm. like, not at the moment. Let me get better, and then I can break it right. to her. And I was thinking that, okay, maybe this is not as big as it looks. Maybe it's just a simple fracture. They'll just put me in a cast and I'm out of the hospital. Right. But it turns out to be much more than that. Anyways, um, so for 30, 40 minutes, I still don't uh, happen to have anything. And then what happened was, um, again, someone from Al-Faisal, a friend of mine, he, his dad happened to be an emergency doctor. So oh, wow, okay. he was on shift in that emergency. In that hospital? In that hospital. Oh, wow, like coincidence so after coincidences. And he was like, Dad, uh, just uh, see what uh, what happened. So as soon as his dad was informed, I, uh, the whole team came and they moved me into the emergency uh, wow, emergency so care and uh, they took care of me. 
And over there, I just remember that, you know, um, they're like, uh, they were telling me what's happening and uh, they were doing the normal examinations, trauma examinations mm-hmm. and everything. And, uh, and uh, uh, they gave me a sedative where they said that they'll set my bone in place. So they're like, it's a, it's a retrograde sedative. So what happens is we'll give you a sedative and you will lose your senses for a few seconds and we'll pull your bone back in together because it was displaced out of proportion. Like I said, the, like it was sticking out. You mentioned it was Yeah. Like so they were like, right. we'll, we'll need to at least uh, put it back in place mm-hmm. and then we'll put a cast on it. So I agreed and everything. And so that's when um, they uh, uh, put me in a cast. And again, I was in a lot of pain. So I was, uh, so uh, they put me in a sedative mm-hmm. and uh, I think for that day itself, I don't remember anything else. And the next day, I'm fine. I'm I'm still in a lot of pain. They've put me in IV paracetamol or IV painkillers and everything. Oh, okay. And by this time, your family knows. Your family's yeah, at the here. hospital. Yeah, I'm like guessing. I said, I think five, six hours right. later, they got to know. And they were beside me. Mm-hmm. And the next day, the next morning, I remember. And uh, while one thing I remembered, one, one thing I remembered was that I... Uh, Cops were keep coming and going outside my room. You know, they kept checking me. Is is he doing okay? And I was like, why are cops checking on me? So mm-hmm. he's like, can he walk? Is is there any way he's moving? So he kept asking that, can you walk? Like, like not even the doctors or nurses were asking me that, can you walk or not? It was a it was a it cop was a always cop. asking me like, can you walk? I'm like, no, I can't walk. And then uh, the next morning, um, they're like, um, one of the nurses uh, were like, uh, this is what happened. You hit into a car who you owe now eighty thousand riyals. 80,000. And uh, since it's clearly your fault, I mean, even whatever happened, it's your fault since you're on the oncoming traffic. Whatever the rules are, even if it wasn't your fault, by law, it's your fault. Like you are now financially responsible to compensate this person. To compensate for their this losses. person, mm-hmm. yes. And uh, the car did not have insurance, so I couldn't cover oh, that. Oh my God. Yeah. And it was a Lexus yeah. with no insurance. Yeah. So, and I was like, I, uh, and uh, so the nurses were like, we're doing anything we can to delay you from entering uh, the, uh, so uh, now what happened was that you'll be put into a jail room. A jail room? Which is basically a room which has, it's, it's basically a prison bar in a hospital. It's prison in a hospital. So the room is uh, locked up. No one can enter except a, except a head nurse and a head doctor. Mm-hmm. And none of your parents can, can uh, friends or a family can enter and you can't leave the room as well. So nobody's allowed to see you in this room? Unless I pay 80,000 euros. Oh and uh, so the nurse was like, this is what your situation is. So you'll be put in the room as soon as we can, as soon as the room is ready. So that's when they put me in the room, and uh, that was one horrible moment as well. Like you know, it must I re- have been terrifying. Must be like hard. I remember my parents hugging me and everything, and they're like, "We'll see you. Don't worry. We'll get this uh, sorted out as soon as possible." Mm-hmm. They put me in the room. They locked me up and everything, and uh, I still couldn't move. Like even 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 picking up a glass of water to, I couldn't drink a glass of water. I had to call out the nurse. The nurse had to come and you know feed oh, me okay. water. Because even though my right hand is fine, it's mm-hmm. still in a lot of pain. Right. Your whole body must be in a lot of pain. Yeah, yeah. So, so the injury is where my uh, fracture on my left arm, it's mm-hmm. called a comminuted uh, fracture. What mm-hmm. happens is that your bone breaks in, it breaks into fragments. Basically shatters. Yeah, shatters into right. fragments. So my bone was apparently broken into uh, four pieces, my olecranon. Oh, okay. And that's the joint that connects you, your forearm to your... Uh, elbow. Uh, upper arm. Upper arm, yeah. So... Um, that was the thing. And then my clavicle was broken, my left clavicle. Mm-hmm. But it was a hairline fracture. Okay. Uh, my two ribs were all on the left side. My two of my ribs were broken. Understandably, given that you're left Yeah, exactly. Side. And I had several contusions on my chest. Mm-hmm. Um, and my left uh, leg had a, a lot of contusions as well. And my right arm was just weak from because mm-hmm. my chest was uh, contused. So I couldn't move my right arm. Right. So I couldn't even pick up a glass of water to uh, Everything drink. must have been difficult at this point. Breathing, just even coughing, moving, coughing, Just even exactly. coughing would just put, Speaking, just, uh, put out a pain through my entire mm-hmm. body. 
So I couldn't even drink a glass of water while I was in that uh, in that uh, mm-hmm. jail room. You know, I remember shouting, screaming for that. Just get someone give me a glass of water. Someone feed me. And for two, three hours, the food was uh, food was right in front of me, but I couldn't eat it just because I simply couldn't reach it. Mm. Nurses had to finish their shifts oh to come God, feed me. So I'm I was so screaming sorry. that at least someone come feed me. And uh, so um, one week goes by, two weeks goes by. I'm 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 gaining my um, senses back, so I can start eating. I can. Mm-hmm. I'm, I've been. I think two weeks in, I'm starting to walk now. Mm-hmm. And I was doing everything on my own. Um, but at the at that time, what happened was. Um, Prior to the accident, my dad lost his job three months ago. So three months before the accident, my dad mm-hmm. lost his job. Mm-hmm. And we were already living paycheck to paycheck. So mm-hmm. he always made, like, whatever money he got or had, he, it always went into my university fees. So right. we were always making the fees and that's it. That's all we had. Mm-hmm. And so there's no way he could ever pay the 80,000 riyals. Mm-hmm. So right. two weeks, three weeks, I think uh, almost at the end of three and a half weeks. And it's a it's, uh, time that... Uh, my my dad told me that you know it's it's just not possible. I'm trying my best, but I cannot pay this eighty thousand mm-hmm. euros. We tried convincing the person I crashed into that look at, at least let me get out and yeah. have the surgery or something, and uh, we'll pay you back. And what did this person say? He refused any offer. He was like, "No, uh, you have to pay me, and I cannot do anything." So um, three weeks in, and I'm just frustrated at this point. And uh, that's when uh, news uh, came out to the university. You know, they were wondering what's happening. Why, wondering where their student has yeah, been. Yeah. Why? The past why three isn't weeks? he? Uh, like they, they know that I need a surgery. It's mm-hmm. uh, everything else is fine. I just need a surgery of my left arm, which is called an RF. Uh, RIF. O- yeah. Yes. Open reduction with internal yes. fixation. Mm-hmm. So what happens is they cut your skin open. They expose the bones and they, like a jigsaw puzzle, they try to find the bones in the missing pieces. Mm-hmm. They try to fix it like a jigsaw and hold it in place with the plate. Plates I have a and question. Screws. This whole time, how have they been keep, like, how have they placed your arm in a cast for this? Yeah, it's, oh, it's in a cast. It's in a cast, but it still needs this ORI it, surgery. It, it needs a surgery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, so, um, so they're wondering that why am I not doing the surgery? Why am I not back and everything? So that's when they got to know. I, I tried to keep it as low as possible about this mm-hmm. financial situation. Right. But eventually it got out. And I've, I mean, I, I was the one that told uh, the, the very first person who saw me in the accident. Right. So I told him that this is what's happening and I can't do anything. So that's when uh, the community came together. Um, my batch mates, everyone from uh, a lot of Al-Faisal students and everything. They came and they pitched in whatever they could. So students now are starting to come forward themselves. Yes, now they're to, banding together. And, and they're starting trying to, to figure help. out something for you. Yeah, uh, uh, on their own, right? On their own, exactly. Right. And they tried to help me as much as they could. And uh, within three days, the 80,000 euros was raised. Hello, within three days. Exactly. To this day, I, I feel like it's it's a, it's one of the miracles I've witnessed myself. That you is know? literally prayers being answered. Exactly. Like, honestly. Like, I remember, I mean, even when... The, when uh, yeah, uh, when my friends were saying that we're trying our best, we're trying, we're trying to, we're, we're giving you as much as we can, and I'm mm-hmm. like, there's no hope. I, I still lost hope. I'm like, this is not gonna happen. What did it, you think was gonna happen at this point? I was, like, you know, you're, I'm in the worst situation possible, so all the worst type of um, uh, situation were coming to me. So I was like, you know, this is where I'm gonna be all my life, or I'm gonna be deported back to my country, mm-hmm. and so all the worst possible scenarios were going through my head. 
And uh, so I was like, okay, uh, it gave me hope that, okay, fine, maybe people are trying to help, they're trying to pitch in, but it's still at 80,000 riyals, there's no way it's mm -hmm. going to be raised. At this point, you sort of, you've, 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 you've basically given up on the idea of getting enough money and now you're sort yeah. of thinking about other options. Exactly. Like right. what are my other options, you know? Right. And so within three days, I'm, I'm still hopeless and everything. And do you know if this is happening? Do you know that people are like starting to... Uh, yes. Uh, I was informed that, you know, oh, okay. they took my permission. It's like, do you want us to help you out? And oh, I'm okay. like, yes, help me out. Okay. And even then I was like, it's not possible. So I was aware that the money they're trying to pitch in and everything, they're, to help, they're trying to help me out. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the third day, I remember uh, they opened the room and uh, my parents came in and they came running and hugging me. It's like the money has been raised and you're free to oh, go. Oh, wow. And uh, so the money was uh, given and the money was sent to that person and I was able to go. And they were like, wow. you can move to a normal room right now. Uh, one thing I need to mention is that uh, this, uh, the orthopedic of that hospital, the, uh, the surgeon of the that, public hospital yeah, that. Mm -hmm. he saw my hand and he was like, oh, you have your schedule, surgery scheduled for, this was in, let's say two weeks into the, uh, two weeks into the accident. So now this is probably like April 18th or something Yeah, like April that. 18th, 20, mm -hmm. something like that. He's like, we'll do your surgery tomorrow morning and um, tomorrow morning. And uh, he, he was like, he, one of the, the. I don't know the amount of rules he broke when he spoke to me, but he was like, this is the worst case of uh, fracture I've ever seen. I've never seen something like this in my life. Mm -hmm. And your hand is beyond repair, but I'll try my best. And your hand will be, you lose 90%, 80% of your arm. Oh, wow. Which means my arm will be stuck at a 90 degree angle. So, so that adds to all the pressure I already have. Right. And, and this is, you know, this like before any of the money has been pulled, he's already told yeah, you Yeah, yeah. This is two weeks in. The money right. was started, was uh, coming in in three weeks, after uh -huh, the third week. Right. And so he's like, your arm will be in a 90 degree angle. It will be fixed and you'll be disabled and there's no way you can, anything you can do about it. Oh my God. And at least it was a public hospital. So they were like, it will be free of charge or anything. So don't worry about that. I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, fine. I accept it. Mm -hmm. And, but at the same time, I was like, this cannot be right. Because being a med student, I was like, there must be something better. Surely know? there must be something else. Something, there's no yeah. way it is that bad. I'm young and everything. So Plus at this <clears> point, you've passed, you've done MSI, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you understand exactly. like what ORIF so is. So I finished everything. Right. And, yeah, and exactly. I'm like, this, it cannot be that worse because I've never heard cases where you were disabled after an accident or a fracture would just completely Which is leaves you disabled. Where, where like 20, where only 20% or something exactly. of the function is retained. Mm -hmm. So, and that's when I tell the, uh, I tell uh, one of my friends that, you know, this, I cannot do this. And is there, can you look into it? Mm -hmm. Like probably look for another surgeon or try to get a second opinion. So mm -hmm. he came to the hospital, he took all the x-rays, all the CT scan. They did some spiral CT scans and everything. And mm -hmm. they, he took it uh, to the, um, he took it to all the hospitals he could. And uh, before that, now, by now, Dr. Khaled al Qatan, he is, uh, he is aware of my situation. So he was like, he also started taking updates of what's going on. Even, uh, even uh, President Hayaza, Dr. Mm, Hayaza, right, was, uh, right, right, uh, right. because uh, his, uh, his sons were in my batch. So oh, okay, they okay. informed his dad and they're like, this is the situation. So the entire university is aware of my situation, even on the higher ups and everything. Even the professors, all yeah, of them professors know. Professors and everything. So Dr. Khaled is like, what is the case and what's going on? And he was informed of the situation. And uh, Dr. Khaled is like, uh, I have someone in mind. I know a surgeon who is an excellent surgeon and let me speak to him. Mm -hmm. So he happens, um, he talks to uh, his uh, colleague who is uh, Dr. Fahad Al-Sati. And uh, they were apparently in the same batch. They graduated together and everything. So he was like, this is the situation and what can you do? 
So he's like, um, I will refer the case to my son. Who, who his son happens to be also an orthopedic surgeon. Who was his son's name? Uh, Dr. Madal Sati. Isn't he the person who teaches us sports medicine and MSI? Exactly. He used wow. to. He retired, I think, last He retired after semester. teaching yeah, us. Like, yeah. We were the last 10th, yeah, no, so, 11th batch was the last batch. Yeah, exactly. So Dr. Madal Sati got to know the case and immediately he, and immediately as soon as he got to know the case, he called me right away in the hospital. Wow. He's tough. like, um, I, and he happens to remember me because I was all, I always used to be a front bencher asking questions and everything. Oh, so you Dr. were that kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am. And then Dr. Made is like, I remember you. I remember you and everything. You were one of my students and I remember everything. And uh, I'm willing to do the surgery. And he was like, if you trust me, then do exactly what I tell you to. I'm like, oh, okay. we're fine. I will do what you tell me to. He's like, call the it's nurse. It's a big thing to say, though. Like, if you trust me, because given yeah. your situation, there's like, a lot going on. He explained me the procedure. He's like, this is the entire procedure because I didn't know the procedure was. And he explained it to me mm -hmm. properly. And he's like, I can guarantee you at least 90%. He's like, I've done hundreds oh, of these surgeries Allah. because he's a sports Amazing. medicine doctor and he's a well-known doctor in yes. the entire kingdom. This is what he, oh, really? Yeah, he's a very oh, well-known surgeon in the kingdom. And this is his job. Like, this is exactly, exactly. what he specializes he's in. He's a sports medicine doctor, yes. yeah. So it's like, I know your case. I've done hundreds of these surgeries and I know that I can give you at least 80 to 90% of your arm back. So he's like, uh, do whatever I tell you and, and uh, follow my instructions. I'm like, okay. all right, fine. So he goes like, call the nurse. And I'm like, yeah, all right. I called her. Mm -hmm. And he's like, now ask for a uh, refusal for treatment form. <gasps> so I was like, okay, I'll do it. So and you're basically like, technically you're denying treatment from this hospital yes. that you're at. So, oh my God. So okay. the refusal of treatment form, I signed the form and everything. So oh. from that point forward, they, they will only give me... Uh, uh, to relieve my symptoms, but they will not treat me in any way possible. So they will relieve my symptoms as in my pain. They'll just give me painkillers and that's it. But this is obviously a very big thing for you to do even because you were in a lot of pain. And you had exactly. A lot of, and like the thing was, what helped me was that, you know, um, the fact that Dr. Khaled approved the surgeon and mm -hmm. uh, the fact that I know him to be a very well surgeon and everything. Mm -hmm. So that's what motivated me that I should reject the surgery at that And hospital. you should trust this man. Like he knows what he's doing. Exactly. Okay. So right. while he was on the phone and everything, he I did all the things. Mm -hmm. So I went home and the very next day, Dr. Matt calls me and he's like, I, I moved around a lot of surgeries and your surgery is uh, in, in, uh, in, at uh, 9 a.m. And just come to the hospital. This is at King Faisal Hospital? No, he uh, took me to Elite Hospital. It's a, it's a hospital in Tahalia. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So I was booked uh, in an OR for in the Elite Hospital. And um, I remember going there and they did the surgery and everything. And uh, I remember... My as uh, like my parents told me that as soon as the surgery was done, Dr. Fahad and Dr. Mat came out running and happy, and there was Alhamdulillah, this oh, wow. was Alhamdulillah. one of the most beautiful surgeries I've ever done. I'm surprised how how well it was done. It was successful, Amazing. and inshallah, it will be done. So while uh, they showed my parents a video of uh, of my of them moving my arm, and it was oh, almost wow. bending, you know, like okay, uh, yeah. okay. So they showed my parents and everything, so they were happy and everything. And uh, yeah, so, and I was in, in the hospital for two days and I was able to go home. Only two days? Cool. Only two days, And yeah. then they put a cast on and you were, yeah. Uh, yeah, they took off the cast on the third day and I was moving my arm completely oh, and everything. Wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. But then, uh, then also came a very, um, very challenging part. Um, they're saying that I've lost a lot of my arm function. So I'll have to be under extensive physiotherapy. And the ah. physiotherapy was was a really horrible, uh, horrible... Uh, enduring. Enduring. Because I remember the first few days, uh, they used to put um, uh, uh, 
pads on my arm and they used to send electric shocks through those pads into my arm so to wake up the muscles because the muscles are dying off right now oh okay right with and the atrophy they, they've yeah. started dying and oh, then okay. they and because of the inflammation they used to put my arm in very hot water to you know help with the edema and See, everything i think this is a part of like bad factors that people don't really know about people always know about the surgery yeah there's a surgery surgery happens but they don't really hear much about the physiotherapy yeah, it's like, like you know the surgery fixes everything but the physiotherapy it can work as a miracle as well like, even even at that time i was still going under a lot of uh depression and a lot of anxiety because i was like okay fine my arm is fixed but at the same time my arm was stuck at like this i couldn't move it or anything oh like the bones were fixed but you couldn't move it you didn't have anything control. so i was like what, what was the point of the surgery like at least it stuck it straight so i cannot move it at all so what the doctors had to do was they had to they were i remember the uh for the first two months of the physiotherapy i had to go for physiotherapy for almost one year oh wow a year okay a year and i remember the first few months they had there were two people that used to hold me down and uh, the main doctor, he used to come and uh, while I was lying down, two doctors held me down while uh, the other doctor came and forced my elbow into place. Like it was, it was stuck straight. There's no way I could move anything. Oh, so he forcefully moved it until, that it, must have been until it went as painful. much as it could. Was that exactly. not, oh my God. I used to scream out through the entire process. They wouldn't give you painkillers or anything? Nothing? Uh, no, they said that the pain actually helps that, you know, it, it, it uh, tells us when we should stop moving it anymore. So like the, the whole point is to put you in pain? Basically. Yeah, so that it, it's an indication of how much we should be moving the arm at okay. all. So, and then six months, eight months, one year. And after one year, alhamdulillah, my arm was completely back to normal. Oh, I have to ask at this point, your family, are they still here at this point or have they? Uh, that's one thing. Um, my family, they were already planning to leave. Like right, before yeah. the accident, they were planning to leave the country because, uh, you know, my dad lost his job and everything. So, oh, okay. And um, so, but when the accident happened, they had, they, their flight was actually three days away from the accident. Three days before your yeah. accident. And oh uh, so they were like, uh, as soon as the accident happened, they had to cancel their flights and they had to stay back. Mm -hmm. But um, six months, uh, three, no, I said four months, four months after the accident, uh, they left. Um, they went for uh, Bangladesh, so they moved permanently Okay, over they there. moved, they left. Oh, yeah, okay. so right. I was okay, here alone and uh, I had one other sibling. And so they all moved back to Bangladesh. Oh, okay. So yeah, I lived alone. I've been living alone since. So then. this entire physiotherapy that you're doing is without your family. I mean, yeah, the first four months was without them, with them. But after that, I mean, when things got better, you know, I told them that it's enough. You can go. Like they were, they kept oh. asking me that should we leave? Do you want our help? And I'm like, fine. Oh, okay. Four All months right. in, I was already doing pretty good. Okay. So I was like, it's okay to leave and everything because we really couldn't uh, take care of all the uh, financial and everything. Mm -hmm. Because yes, there there was money given to the. Uh, uh, the guy I crashed into, but at the same time, there were a lot of other expenses along with the accident, which right, uh, which they had to afford. Oh, okay. Your and own car, of course, and like the other things. and Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and yeah, so that, that car was totaled, by the way. It, it never ran. So they're like, like there's they no, never yeah, it. I remember this uh, when uh, the tow truck that took the car, he is uh, he's our neighbor. So he oh, lives. Uh, he okay. lives. So when my dad saw the accident, he called him and he was like, take the car and uh, do what you want and mm -hmm. say what you can do. So, um, and, uh, so once I, one month into it, after one, one month after I come back, uh, home mm -hmm. after the surgery and everything, the guy comes and he hugs my dad and he's consoling my dad. He's like, uh, I'm sorry for your loss and everything. And uh, my dad was like, what do you mean? He's like, uh, I you didn't just say, what about your son? And he's like, no, he's in the room. He's right there. Oh. And then he, he ran to my room and he came and hugged me. 
He's like, oh. I've seen accidents. I've seen, I've towed thousands of cars. I'm doing this job since 20 years now. Mm -hmm. And I've seen accidents. They, in this accident, the person usually doesn't survive. Oh my God. So he was like, I was already contemplating the worst. I was hugging so your dad. you'd already that assumed that you had... You, I passed away oh or something. God. And so he was like, I, it is wow. a miracle that you are surviving. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was like, you know, it's, it's really, it's miraculous that you're still with us. Mm -hmm. So Alhamdulillah and everything. And uh, so, yeah, my parents left and everything. And uh, the main issue was, uh, even after all this, what I was struggling with the most is that, <clears throat> is that the uh, mental part that came with it. Right. I remember that after the accident, one month was fine, two months it was fine. But then uh, <clears throat> what happened was uh, I used to wake up, uh, I, whenever I used to go to sleep, I used to see the accident happening over and over again. So I used to see the accident happen. Flashbacks, flashbacks, nightmares, nightmares. Mm -hmm. and whenever, just when the crash happened, that's when I wake up from my from my sleep oh my screaming. Gosh. Sometimes it even went beyond that. Sometimes I could feel uh, way more than that. Like I could feel I'm living the same thing over and over, like exact picture to picture. So I used to have that nightmare at least four or five times a week. Oh my goodness! And so it was really affecting my life. It mm -hmm. was uh, I could barely affecting sleep your again. Sleep, yeah. Affecting your mm -hmm. energy. I'm, I'm, I'm sure. And so the, it it came to a point where I was I was trying to stay awake. It's like you know what I won't sleep. I used to drink a lot of coffee and mm -hmm. try not to go to sleep just so that I don't get to leave that over and over again. This must have really imp uh, impacted your studying as well, right? Yeah, I mean, I missed the first uh, block. I missed two blocks uh, already because of the accident um, uh -huh, right, because right. after the surgery they, they told me that at least three four months you need to be bed rest again so and uh, the thing was uh during the accident mm -hmm. one of the things that was really uh, that surprised me was that there was it was actually exam season going on oh. so despite it being exam season everyone still banded together and helped me everyone so, still so that was one of the reasons why there. i also lost hope uh, why i had no hope as well it was like it's the exam season everyone is busy with oh, their exams there's no right. way the money is, is gonna right, right, come right. but despite that it still worked so I missed one block. I missed uh, two. Uh, two. Uh, See, I remember <clears throat> this story. I was myself in first year at the time. This is 2019, right? I was yeah. in first year, yeah. And I think I was in the renal block. I was either in HLS or I was in renal. Okay. And I remember hearing about, hearing about this. Like, I remember hearing about this guy who was in a car accident. And the first thought in my head was, oh, we, oh like, if I can pitch in something, I should. Mm -hmm. And if I can get anyone else to help, like, even though like, just, like it's not like a it's not like there's like a whole organized event going on or if it's something planned it was just like whoever can do something to help mm -hmm. should help like you know everyone should do their part to help a muslim brother in need so that's really what everyone was doing like that was the only thing that was in our minds when we heard about it yeah, exactly i mean even while in the hospital like i was my phone was complete and my it was always buzzing with messages that nobody were with you we're supporting you don't worry even to my parents there were students reaching out to my parents from the university they knew that oh, there was wow. the only car i had so oh, they were okay. offering rights to my parents. It's like, do you want us to take us to the hospital? Do, is there anything we can do for you? It's really the little, little thing. Exactly. That and so, um, so I always had people messaging me that, no, mm -hmm. we were waiting for you. We're just come back to us as soon as possible and everything. So that gave me a lot of uh, strength as well. Mm -hmm. So anyways, um, this, uh, like I said, after the accident, that was the main thing I was struggling with, just the mental aspect of it. Right, just, right. Uh, it, it destroyed me for a long time, you know? And I couldn't eat properly. I couldn't sleep. And it was it was really horrible. All the other things added, like the fact that your family wasn't there. Mm -hmm. Before you were living with your family for all this time and suddenly like, yeah, they're not there anymore. Exactly, yeah. How did it, how did it, like, how do you think it changed your life to just, to be struggling with all this at the same time after, like, you know. Uh, 
I really cannot say the amount of change it has brought in me, but um, it it changed my life in so many ways. I cannot even tell you. Like um, I I like with my parents leaving and all, I I had to learn to become independent and everything, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, basically just started uh, to realize that you know how life is so fragile. You know, within a within a blink of an eye, you can just lose it anytime you want. You know. The things you take for granted can you can lose right. it at any second. It's it's just gone. And I feel like every day, like we wake up, right, and we're we're just like, you were just like, oh, these things would never happen to us. Like it can happen to other people. But, oh, I would mm-hmm. never be affected by this. Exactly. Like, like we really don't think about how how everything sort of can come to you too. Like mm-hmm. one day it's them, the next day it could be you. Today it was them. Tomorrow it could mm-hmm. be you. Tomorrow it could be happening to you. And we really sometimes we're just so naive or just so consumed by our own lives that we don't really. I feel like we don't, I can, or like we know it at the back of our heads mm. that this could happen to us, but we don't really. But we don't stop to imagine that we, don't we can be in that situation as well. It. Yeah. Mm. Like yeah, everything you take for granted, just. You really do take for granted. Like, like just the fact that you're having your parents around, it's, it's such a blessing as well, you know? Right. Like, like I'm not ashamed to say it, but I was, I'm a big mama's boy, you know, oh. like, like, like I need a coffee. I used to just scream out coffee and then coffee is just right in front of me, you know? Oh, wow. And my mom used to do everything, uh, everything for me, like mm-hmm. co- from cooking to everything. I couldn't even, even cook an egg if I wanted to. That's how bad I was. So even just when they left, that's when I realized that the blessing of just having your parents around is, is just something. Just having a mom to do things for you. Exactly. Dad to take you cannot even imagine how. Like uh, like the saying that you don't know the value of something until you lose it, right, you know? Right, That's the thing. And I also think like a lot of times when we wake up in the morning and like, you know how there's like adhkar al-sabah and masa and stuff and like we just sort mm-hmm. of, we think about it and like sometimes we're just like, oh yeah, not today. Like, mm-hmm. oh, whatever, it's fine. But then it's literally these things that that could save your life. Exactly, exactly. And it's like you reading your adhkar in the morning could mm-hmm. be the thing standing between you and death for that day because for all we know it could have been something so much worse and exactly yeah. even the time i was in a car accident the first thing my parents said was like after everything was over the first thing they asked me was did you read your adhkar in the morning i was like yeah mm-hmm. and they're like that is probably the reason that you've made it out alive basically what happened to me was that we were in this little minivan and the van sort of flipped up like okay. like upside down a couple of times rolled down a hill and stuff and i ended up with like a seat on top of me it had fallen out and landed mm-hmm. on top of me um, and then the first thing my dad asked before he even like pulling me out of the van was that, did you read your Qur'an in the morning? I was mm-hmm. like, yes. He was like, okay, good. That's why you're alive. Yes, even that. I even I, even something similar happened with my parents. And my parents were always uh, like, even before I started driving, my parents uh, taught me to read the Qur'an and everything. Mm-hmm. And they're like, always, always remember to say that. So I always make sure that before I start driving, I always say that. So, you know, in ways I, I believe that, you know, that helped me as well, you know? Right, yeah. yeah. It's these little, little things and like... Mm-hmm. I feel like another important thing that we should talk about is the fact that being a good person can actually take you so far. I feel like you might want to say this as well later, but um, the fact that people knew you and like you said, that um, sports medicine professor, he knew you as a student because you would be, you know, in the front of the class and Mm -hmm. interact with him. And the fact that like, you're just, a good person in general this can take you so far yeah that's the thing like so i remember um uh my high school was a pretty horrible uh horrible uh time i was a very uh very um like i wasn't socially adept to everything mm-hmm. so i was a very shy kid and everything and i was bullied a lot back in high school i was bullied oh, bitten dear. a lot and it was uh, high school was one time i don't want to go back to mm-hmm. because of how horrible it was and so I told myself that, all right, fine, let high school be over. Once I get into college, once I get into university, I'll be a totally different person, you know. I'll try to uh, remove this uh, social recluse out of me and mm-hmm. make make um, 
try to be a better person, be outgoing. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did. As soon as I joined university, like I said, the at the very first opportunity, I was like, I'm going to take the vice presidency of a, of a right, club. Yeah. I have no idea. I, right, right. Prior to that, I never had any leadership uh, leadership qualities or I did not do any events or anything. I have no idea what I'm doing. But at the same time, I was like, I'm going to take the Islamic club and do what I can. Mm-hmm. And then I remember that I, I told myself that every time I meet someone, I'm going to greet him with the biggest smile possible, always give oh, the okay. biggest salam possible and everything. So I made it a goal to interact with each and every person I saw. Right. So that's one thing I, I always did. And um, so I remember that. And so that's one thing I also believe really helped me really in my case. I mean, I'm not saying way. that it was just because of that. Mm-hmm. The Al-Faisal community will come together for anyone, for anywhere possible. Mm-hmm. But the fact that everyone knew me personally and uh, everyone was cheer- hoping the best for me, they were praying right. for me, it helped my case as well. That uh, I'm sure it must So have. What, what I'm trying to say is that, you know, just the just a simple smile to a person every day, just giving a salam. And even if you know, don't know the person, if you're just passing by the hallway, just give your salam, just give a smile, just ask how his day is going. Mm-hmm. And it can just... It, it can really help you in the can, ways you don't even you know realize. pass on the kindness right, like you right. you you make him happy he makes the next person happy mm-hmm. and it just it's it just becomes a cycle right you know so pass on the kindness as much as you can and you always make sure that people around you are happy with your presence you know with you being you and so yeah right. that that's what i say that uh, that i believe that a, lo- a big part of uh the money being uh, raised and everything, the, all the help i received was was the fact that i was always nice to the people around me and the fact mm-hmm. that they knew me you oh. know Right, the the right. fact fact that I've always been kind to anyone I could. Right. And so there were the, the deep care that people showed me was was quite evident with everything that mm-hmm. happened. I feel like the way you treat people, you know how they say like treat people the way you want to be treated. Exactly. So exactly. you treat them well and they will treat you well. Exactly. As well. Yeah. Give back what you want in return. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So now I have to ask you, Nobi, if you could say, if you could pass on like two messages to the audience here, or a couple, it doesn't have to be, it could be whatever you want. Um, <clears throat> a few messages to the audience. What are, what do you want them to leave this podcast with? Like, let's say they've listened to this episode. What is one thing or a few things that you want them to take away from this? Mm. Uh, this is not a message, but it's just uh, before we end this. Um, one thing I would like to say is that uh, I never got to thank anyone who helped me because it was uh, decided amongst everyone that uh, like a few, 10 or 11 people of my batchmates, they were the ones that helping the most. They they mm-hmm. gathered everything. They were raising the awareness of the situation mm-hmm. and everything. They were informing everyone. Mm-hmm. They decided that it's best if uh, I never know uh, who the people were who helped, like who donated and everything. Because uh, they believe that, you know, it will it will make me insecure that knowing this person donated this much, that person gave that much money. So they had a list and everything. They still have the list. And they're like, it's best if we keep it anonymous to Nobi. Hmm. So um, to this day, I never know. I don't know a single person who helped. But uh, to them, they said that it was a quite a lot. of. It was a huge list of people that helped. So to them and uh, to whoever is listening right now, if you have helped me in any way, whether it be financially or emotionally or anything, and... I never got a chance to say this, but I'm saying it now that thank you for everything you've done because it 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 really helped me in so many ways. I can I can even begin to say, you know. I'm sure they must be smiling right now listening. And uh, so yeah, because they're out there, they know exactly who you are. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's that's one of the reasons. Like I, this is one memory of mine. I don't ever want to live again. Mm-hmm. So at first I was kind of skeptical of doing the podcast. I really mm-hmm. didn't want right, to do it. Right. And the only reason I'm, I'm willing to do this podcast was just so that I get a moment to thank everyone that helped right. me. You know? So again, thank you all for that, uh, for that kindness you've showed me. And I hope that in some way, some other way, I can pass it on to the next person. 
inshallah you pass it forward we all do yeah and the next message i would like to say is that um and this is the most important thing i want everyone to get out of this uh, mm-hmm. podcast is that um it's never worth it to speed you know just for a momentarily just for a second of adrenaline rush just because you see a gap and you want to cut or you want to cross a lane or everything mm-hmm. it's it's never worth it fine the accident in my case wasn't my fault right but at the same time you know it it could have been my fault you know i could have hit someone else i could have crashed into someone right. and everything so just because you think you see an open road just because you have a car that can match the speed or everything mm-hmm. it the it's momentarily adrenaline rush just to speed up it's it's not worth it not worth it at just all just within a second you can lose everything you have you know right like right. before the accident if you asked me that nobody what do you want i would go like i don't want anything you know my life is perfect i mm-hmm. literally don't want anything like even the car i had it was i was happy with it it was one of my dream cars oh, okay and i was like i'm happy with everything i have my parents and everything but after the accident it just all went downhill and even to this day there are th- so many things that are not going well in my life mm-hmm. but at the same time it made me realize that how within a second you can lose everything you know you can take things for granted you can take you should never take things for granted like um always be humble and know that everything you own is never yours right. it all it all belongs to Allah that is true so always be humble I feel like that we forget a lot you should say that again just mm-hmm. for emphasis <laughs> like like always be humble like i remember the car everything you have belongs to Allah and at the exactly. end of the day the only thing that you that that's really yours is you and your like akhlaq and stuff and that's exactly. all you're going to go to Allah with like you're born with nothing you die with nothing mm-hmm. except your good deeds that's like, all like, you have yeah exactly like you're just a traveler on this that's it you're really just yeah on. so that's one thing you know all never take pride in anything you own because within a second you can lose everything Like I said, you know, before the accident, if you ask me what do you want, I would say I have everything. Mm-hmm. And now after the accident, um, I, I it got it. It's I'm still recovering. It came to a point where I still cannot drive. I oh, st- okay. I've, I haven't driven a car ever since the accident. Mm-hmm. And even now, I I'm on the road and I hear a screeching sound of tires. I still have a panic attack. I start oh. I hyperventilating mm-hmm. and I start having, I start I go into a shock mode as soon as I hear a screeching mm-hmm. sound. or anything that is speeding or if everyone if someone changes a lane fast it just hits me even until now so that's that's my that's one thing that i want every viewer uh, every listener right now to know mm-hmm. that you know no matter where you are no matter how you're doing never ever speed because even it's better late than sorry you know like i i was on time and everything but right. at the same time because of that one accident i missed two blocks and right now i'm two blocks behind my batch just because of that so right, it's better right. to be late than mm-hmm. sorry you know you never know when what can happen and what can do to you so always mm-hmm. be safe on the road make sure you're always wearing your seat belt and always be safe there it's mm-hmm. just for a moment of adrenaline rush it's, it's never not worth it. it's not worth it wow okay that was a lot thank you so much for everything that you shared with us today i i'm so so grateful for you to you know come out here and actually speak about this i'm sure it must not have been easy so um um you know honestly i'm still in shock from everything that i've just heard It takes some time to absorb. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, thank you so much and we're incredibly grateful and uh I'm sure our viewers, our audience is as well. Um and yeah, with that I think I don't think I could possibly add anything to what you just said. To that's it. That's all. <laughs> all right. And again, thank you MSA for giving me this opportunity to allow my message to go out. Like I said, the only reason I decided to do this is at least people can get to hear or at least get a message out of the story you know right right yeah so that's the only reason i decided so thank you msa for allowing me this chance honestly your story is incredible incredible and may allah make it easier for you to deal with everything that you're dealing with and it, i'm sure there's still so much that you haven't told us that maybe you don't want to reveal but you know may allah make it easier for you thank and we're you. all on your side and um we're 
here to support you if you need it, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, and once again, thank you for coming out right. and sharing your story. <laughs>